Father, we come before you this morning, Lord. And we realize that uh, while heaven stands, heaven stood up when Jesus came to be born here. Stood up. Though, Father, the testimony of your coming was from forever, Lord. We know that God, that as Jesus bowed his knee to come into this world, heaven stood up. Because there was a part of God's heart that even looking upon his face, as angels and seraphim would do, would be incomplete or Father, they're all would follow me in front of them because this willingness of the Son to come and Father, take on the shape of a human being. Submit himself, subject himself, Father, to being a Savior for mankind. Never stood up. Realizing, Father, that what had been started long ago what had been foretold and talked about and, and Father, imagery throughout the Old Testament, Father, now it's happening in real time. And came into a world hostile to his showing up. Came into a world, Father, bent on its own way, Father, finding itself, Lord, increasing in slavery, increasing, Father, in uh, the uncertainty of tomorrow. Man came into this world, Lord, he was armored up. He was not guarded. He was became father into this world as a child of baby. And he was born in such a humble place that father, he was laid that first night into a feed trough because there was no room. That father, you had to make room for him. And so a lot of that, we just thank you father for this testimony that you're doing in our lives. Father, that we find ourselves kneeling afresh. We find ourselves, Lord, releasing ourselves from our own self-view. Releasing ourselves from what the world says is okay or what the world says is not okay. Finding ourselves, Father, being set or right, turning upside right. I thank you for what today means, this moment. Can we take this moment? Can we let go of what's going to happen this afternoon, Tuesday evening, whatever? Can we let go? Can we find ourselves being brought in to eloquence, not to a wonderful story, but to the truth and to the presence of God, who is so interested in you, he's willing demonstrate why. 
morning and Merry Christmas. Whether you've come from a different country like Nebraska or whether you are from uh, out of town in some other way, my daughter and her husband have, have uh, flown in from California. That's definitely a different part of the world. Right? But we're so glad you're here. So glad for how uh, this moment brings families together. For how that, uh, for, for some, it's a tough, tough time of the year. It really is. And especially for, for those folks that don't have those ties that hold them together. Our kids are growing up, so you see them sometimes, and then the next year they're at in-laws, and sometimes they're with the outlaws, and so you don't know quite how it's all going to shake out. Right? But there's just something unique about uh, seeing family. It's just something unique about it. That uh, when you, you know, we can FaceTime, we can, we can do Hangouts, we can do all that, but it's not the same. It's, it's a wonderful tool, but it's not like seeing them and touching them. We're going to continue today with a, a message uh, out of uh, the book of Ephesians. And this particular passage, I've, this is the third week I've been on three scriptures. Uh, this is out of Ephesians 5. Um, two weeks ago I started with verse 19. And it's talking about, Jesus said, man, don't be filled with, uh, don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Speaking. He's talking about characteristics of this feeling. He talks about speaking. What you say. The Bible says it's not what goes into somebody that defiles them, but it's what comes out of us. That's what can defile us. Now, there was years ago I would, I would justify too much root beer or, uh, you know, ribs or something like that because it's not what goes into a man that messes him up, okay? But it's what comes out of him. It's our speech. And how the world hears us. You know, there's something about what comes out of us, what's communicated just in our body language with one another. Second week, we talked about gratitude. That gratitude is the engine of being thankful. You can, you can train a, a parrot to say thank you. You, you can train, I mean, Julie and I had, had the wonderful opportunity, you parents know what this was like, of training children how to say please and thank you. You get them to do it. Cookie, what do you say? How many times do we do that? 10 million times. But there's never one parent that can give a child gratitude. That only comes from God. And how the Holy Spirit not only gives us the, the foundation and life of, in his filling for our speech, he also gives us that engine of gratitude so that our gratitude is not just when it goes well with us, but it's reflected in our connection to this person of Jesus Christ that has given us life and brought new meaning to every day. But this third thing, this verse 21, I want to read it to you. The Holy Spirit comes, but in verse 21 he says, he comes and is filling, and he says, be subject to one another, in the fear of Christ. You know, what happens when we're convinced that the upside-down world we live in is really right-side-up? 
that we get boiled like a frog in relationship to how the culture works and the Word of God and how it works, this person of Christ. You know, in James, in James 4, this is not going to be up on the overhead. James is talking to Christians. And he asks this question. He says, what's the source of quarrels and conflicts among you? He's saying, man, what would be the source that would be so um, big and important that you would allow an environment of unresolved quarrels and conflicts? So it would cause separation and it caused division. What would allow that? He's confronting them. He says in verse 4 of that, uh, James 4, he says, Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of this world makes himself an enemy of God. He's saying, man, a mixture, a hybrid nature that's in a human being moves a human being to half love. Half love means that we've got basically the desire to be a healthy, productive contributor. But we've got this other half of us that is offendable. This other half that is not connectable. This other half that doesn't recognize, man, heaven is on its feet in regard to Jesus Christ. Angels and seraphim and cherubim are standing up as he entered the world because eternity met time. And he came into this world as this example, but he also came in this world to be uh, this perfect Savior for us. Not only bringing to us a solution for our separation with God, but bringing to us God's motivation for doing so. It says that God so loved the world. You know, you could preach every day about love, but if we don't receive that love, we can know all about it. What God is doing is He fills a person who asks for the Holy Spirit. He fills that person with not only the solution and insight, but motive and reason. He brings us to the place where He brings us to this moment where submission, man, it's a word that's in the world, but man, I'm not going to play with it, and I'm not going to play with you today. This word submission, he's saying that we are subject one to another in the fear of Jesus Christ. To be subject to one another means that, you know what? My interest is not just how I'm going to live and survive and thrive. But what about you? Every part of your body is submitted to the mission and value of your body. And those parts or systems that can't becomes a cancer. When James is speaking to the church, he's saying there is a cancer that you allow. There's a cancer that comes in because there's a part of this where you're living out of half love. Half love means that I only go so far. There I draw a line. And when you cross that line, I'm done with you. When you cross that line, I have to back up because I've got to be me. 
And there's something that gets lost in this perspective because what makes us connectable? What makes us usable? What collectively is our power enough to change the world? Jesus is saying, go and make disciples of all nations. He's talking about this gospel being spread throughout the world. He talks about this change of circumstances and families. This word submission is going to be in the value, in the context of every scripture from now to the end of verse or of chapter 5. Could you find this morning not so much your resistance to this word, but could you find this morning a desire in your heart to become this messenger of a message? Could you find yourself this morning being able to say, you know what? It does take speaking. Man, it does. It does take gratitude. Yes, there are miracles and there's signs and there's wonders. But without submitting to one another in the fear of Christ, the world remains the same. We don't like kings. We don't like rulers. We don't like telling people telling us to do. We want to hang the flag of our forefathers that says, man, listen, all these parts don't tread on me. Because we don't want to be hurt and we don't want to be subject to any human being for the wrong reason. But unless there is a submission, unless there is a getting low, that what happens is, is this word submit, subject yourselves is a Greek word. It's a great word. Hupatasso. It's one of the few Greek words I have any chance of getting close to. Hupatasso. Man, this word tasso at the end, it means to draw up, it's a military term, draw up the troops in order. Line them up in the order that they are because they're going to battle. This word hupo is this, is this part on the front of that word which means to be subordinate, to be subject, to subject oneself to obey. See, there's something about understanding that the impetus and the filling of the Holy Spirit brings us to the place where we can get in the place where we can be connected to the body of Christ in such a way that she changes the world. And where has been the rub in the body of Christ? Listen, there is no, <laughs> there is no place in heaven just for Presbyterians or Lutherans or Charismatics. Man, there's not. All those designations have been developed because, man, listen, why are there quarrels and conflicts among you? That's the only reason. Well, Rick, theologically, listen. If we would find ourselves submitted to God, submitted to one another, we would find ourselves seen in the Word, that which brings unity and not division. Let's take a look at some examples. Let's take a look at humans in the Bible that experience this, this shift from a circumstance that they were so enculturated in to a different choice. Let's take a look for a second at Joseph and the angel coming to him in the middle of the night. He's already decided to be a good guy and not Mary who is pregnant and she's explained why she's pregnant and what's going on. 
Man, he can't get his mind around it. And so he's going to quietly divorce her and not embarrass her. An angel tells him, listen, no, this is of the Lord. Gabriel said, man, this is of God. His name is Jesus. Man, he's going to save the people from their sins. Man, just a shock. In the midst of shock. In the midst of a situation that, man, it was, it was, it was, uh, it had a society intensity to it. In the midst of this, how he was brought up and how he was taught to think, man, he acted upon that word. Mary, in the first chapter of Luke, gets to this place. The Holy Spirit explains to her what's happening. And she says, at the end of this, she says, let it be done unto me just as you said. She, she was saying yes to something that had never happened. Something that didn't fit in any category. Something she couldn't judge what was happening by some filter out of her past. Out of some tradition of her family. This was something not happening. She didn't call her family together. What do you think? This was, a, this was a moment of choice on her part where she was, she just surrendered to what was said. This has never happened before. And yet she acted upon it. Peter preaching at Cornelius' house. Peter, Jew, Christians were going on. It was a Jewish event. And yet God shows Cornelius, Cornelius God shows Peter that man, he was supposed to go and, and, and with these people to a guy's house, a Gentile's house, a Roman centurion's house in Caesarea. And he walks all the way. And, he, and he's told that he's not to call unclean what God says is clean. This guy, this Peter, had built in prejudice that he was by this act of going subject and guilty of defying the very law that he grew up under. But he acted upon it. He went anyway. He let go. God's call of Paul to the Gentiles. Man, this was out of the box for this guy. Man, this guy hated. Man, there's nothing. There's nothing more intense than jealousy and hatred. Hated. And he hated. Hated the church. He said, this guy breathed out murder. See, when people get so drunk that, man, that, that alcohol oozes out their pores, man, they're saturated with alcohol. This guy was saturated with hatred. And yet, he acted upon it. And after Ananias was out of his house, after his encounter with Christ, man immediately went out into the streets and began to share the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Without the Holy Spirit filling each member, we get James 4.1. Why are these disputes, man? Why are these conflicts among you? It's okay to have a conflict. It's okay to have a dispute. But man, that stuff can't stay. And we allow it to stay because we find ourselves justified in our separation from one another over nothing. We wouldn't divorce our kids for these things. Listen, you parents in here had children, right? Some of you have little bitty children. They keep you up all night. They don't speak English. They're not going to pay a utility bill, all right? 
Some of us have had other children, man, go through their crossroads in life. And go absolutely against how they've been raised. And dig their heels in and say, listen, I need to explore and I'm going to do what I want with who I want. Do we divorce those kids? No. Man, we wear out the carpet on our knees because there's times where it's not rational and we can't just sit down and talk to them. We don't get rid of them. Husbands and wives, ever have a disagreement? Absolutely. Do you divorce up over <laughs> conflict? People do all the time, but man, no, we don't. See, there has to be a source. There has to be a source to this submitting. There has to be a template, a, a model, a blueprint. So as the Holy Spirit fills a man, a woman, a little boy, a little girl, man, there's a trajectory that that submission is headed to, a destination that it's going to, a purpose. In Matthew 4, this will be up there for you. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he then became hungry. See, I, I used to think this. Hey, Jesus is God. He just, you know, zapped his innards so he wasn't hungry. Okay, man, he had a different route to, in terms of staving off hunger. No, he came here to experience you. Amen. He came here to be tempted like war tempted, only on a grander scale. He came to bear the sin and broken relationship of every human on his own shoulders. And so as he's finding himself led by the Spirit into this wilderness to be tempted, the tempter says this. He says, if you're the Son of God, command these stones to become bread. Listen, if you're the body of Christ and you think you're so special, love one another. The enemy, the system of this world will come to you and say you're abnormal for what you believe. You're old-fashioned. You're out of step. And yet we live in a day and age where abuse and hurt and brokenness and problems between men and women and governments is at an all-time high. And we think we are those that have evolved to a higher form. We have not. Jesus answered him and says this, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. As heaven stands, Jesus knelt submitted himself to what his dad said in the midst of not feeling like it. For all of us, this passage many times in my life has helped. What I wanted to cave in, I wanted to compromise, I wanted to take a different route because it seemed like this life, this life in Christ was too uphill. And yet he says this, this piece, I want you to go, I want you to go to 1 Corinthians. Uh, it's up there, 15. This is a testimony about Jesus. It says, the last enemy that will be abolished 
is death. Death in its fear, death and its captivation has been totally conquered. But the death itself, man, is still there, isn't it? That enemy is to be abolished. For he has put all things in subjection under his feet. See, the life of Christ that laid himself down for your sin and my sin, and he took it up again, that life will eventually per permeate everything and get back for God everything that was lost and more. It says it's evident that he is expected who put all things in subjection to him. When all things are subjected to him, then the Son himself also will be subjected to the one who subjected all things to him, so that God may be all in all. How much of your all in all lives in the world of half-love, of the almost, of the self-protection, of the conflict and the quarrels and the conflict, of your life being more important than anybody else's life, the fear that you won't make it or you won't have a future. Listen. So that God may be all in all. Jesus bent his knee. So that what? And what God wanted done got done in such a way that it was not out of duty. It was out of the same motive that created man in the beginning. God so loved the world. And that motive, man, messes people up. Because we look for love. There's no country western song, we look for love where? In all the wrong places. There's a source. There's an infilling of the Holy Spirit. There's an abiding indwelling of the Holy Spirit that allows me both the highest privilege of submitting and bowing my knee. Of being there for other people rather than fighting for myself. There's something more to life. We think if we do so, we will lose. But it is the only path to win. It is the only path to turn the, the world right side up. Philippians 2, verse 1 says this, Therefore, if there's any encouragement in Christ, man, it's abundant. If there's any consolation of love, there it is. If there's any fellowship of the Spirit, if any what? Affection and compassion. Make my joy be complete by being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in spirit and intent on one purpose. It sounds like utopia. He says this is normal. This is the world right side up. Where what's justified because of half love becomes reconciled because of this love. We don't become automatons and we think the same thing like robots. We become uniquely part of a greater whole. And what happens is the world gets a chance to see Jesus not in bits and pieces in your life alone. But to see this united front bring something to our neighborhoods, our families, and our neighbors that brings to them this testimony of a whole picture. Who would want to go to a movie with just one character on an ice floe? 
Um, we'll watch him go through it. Okay, man, I can't watch that again. Do nothing from selfish and empty conceit. See, there's no need to do that. But with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. What happens if I bless somebody else and then I miss out? Parents, you do it all the time. There's one pork chop left. You divide it up and give it to your kids. You do it every time. Well, you do it for somebody else's kids. It says this. It says, have this attitude in yourself. What's an attitude? Man, we all got one. All right? Just drive down I-25, go through Denver, and videotape yourself. You will see attitude. I can show my wife a picture of myself. She goes, well, that was a pretty good picture of you. Or, not so good, all right? I'll show her a picture of any of our grandchildren. Oh, she gets this look on her face like, oh, I just want to see that. I've seen it 10,000 times. Show it to me one more time. She loves it. See, there's something about attitude. Jesus moved and lived, motivated and animated by the attitude of God's reason for being there. He faced impossible rejection. He faced injustice. He faced people who were once lo in love with him and people then left. But man, he was on a mission. That's, that work of the Holy Spirit had a trajectory. And so often in this world, what happens is, man, we kill the trajectory. We jump here, we jump there. We're in this church. Pastor, you know, Pastor Joe said to me, we're gone. We hit the reset button. There's no unity. There's no same mind. There's no maintaining the same love. There's no uniting the spirit. And there's no intent on one purpose. Do nothing from selfish or empty conceit. I'm sharing this with you because I'm saying this is what works in us. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is working this very same thing in you. So don't merely look, I'm sorry, but he emptied himself. He was in the form of God, but didn't regard equality with God, something to be grasped. When the stone was offered him, he didn't say, God, I'm going to do this one for me this time, and next time I'll do it for them. But he emptied himself. Man, what does that mean? What happens if you empty yourself? You don't exist anymore? You become a nothing? No, to empty ourselves simply. Jesus emptied himself by turning to the Father and then paying attention. Jesus said, I don't do anything but that which I see the Father doing. Verse 7 says, But he emptied himself, taking on the form of a bondservant, and being made in the likeness of men, being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient 
to the point of death. Where does your obedience stop and where does it begin? Well, nobody's asking me to die for the world. No, but you may have to die for a child that's out of whack, a neighbor that's struggling. You may have to, we may have to empty ourselves to go deal with a situation that is not any fun, difficult, dangerous. But he found himself obedient to the point of death. How many of you read uh, anything? Uh, Fox's Book of Martyrs? Anything? There's, well, there you go. They're all on the right side. Okay. It's a great book. Testimonies about Christians 400 years ago that stood in a situation where their faith was put on the line legally and their lives were on the line because of a standing for Christ. There's one particular story that I don't read very often because as I read it the first time, a man stuck with me. There's a man who has been charged, brought into court, and said, if you renounce Christ, we'll let you live. Your life will go on as normal. No harm, no foul. But if you choose not to, you'll be put to death. So, he chooses not to. So, in the courtyard of this little town, there's a wooden stake, there's brambles. He, they put him in the midst of that, and they stack wood around it, because this is going to be a public execution. This is going to be something to say to all people that have taken the same stance, and this is what's going to happen to you. So they tie him to this post, and his kids are there pleading. Dad, please, just, just renounce to him. And then when you get home, you can ask forgiveness, and he'll restore you. His wife, speechless, she doesn't know what to say. This is the breadwinner. So this dad, hearing the pleas of his kids, seeing his destitute family, the testimony goes this way. He was tied to this post. He turned as far as he could, and he kissed the post that he was tied to. Because he was leaving for his children a greater treasure than all the wealth in the world, better than his own presence, was this testimony. Who in the world would do that? Only somebody who was motivated by the same thing that motivated Jesus at his own death, where he said, Father, forgive them. Forgive them. They're guilty. Forgive them. They're, they're spitting on him and calling him, forgive them. They've embarrassed us. They've, I've experienced injustice. Forgive them. Even death on a cross. And I, don't, I don't know what your definition of humiliation is, but man, this is it. The cross was only for the worst of criminals, for the, for the capital crimes, for those that needed to be displayed to the people that this lawbreaker and has done this. Beware if you're trying the same thing. Stripped naked. Tell you what, we've all had that dream. You're naked in the shopping center. <laughs> Not cool, all right? Even a dream. But man, how about the willingness of it? You want to feel good about the decisions you make? Find a different source of being willing. Find a different source. 
Because the source we're using for the most part, and for most of us, man, it's not working. It works as our world remains stable and like it is. It doesn't work very well like Mary and like Cornelius and Peter. And it doesn't work very well there. And yet that's the world where the Holy Spirit uses the submission to him to do something in the world the world would never expect that rights the ship and causes that heart to become to a place where they're reconciled with God. Listen, if you want to share the gospel with somebody, that's awesome. But that testimony has got to do something. If you were across the street and your neighbor's house was on fire and you could see the basement was lit up and they were oblivious, would you just go knock on the door, pound on the door, be fire, fire, and go back to your house? You would get them out of that house. The gospel goes and gets them. It's the power of God unto salvation. It's not so that I feel good that I shared it or feel bad because I'm, 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 uh, people are, are upset that I'm there. Submission. Submitting myself. It's a message you won't hear out there. But it is foundational here. It's foundational for marriage. It's foundational for kids. It's foundational for one another. It's foundational in the marketplace. Well, people aren't going to listen. No, but they're going to watch. And they watch us every day. We're not living for them. But we are, one way or another, of a living example to them. Every knee is going to bow at that name. I learned early as being a Christian, atheism gets cured at death. And it's unfortunate. I watched the grandfather get saved two days before he died. I watched my dad get saved four months before he got saved. I was glad they got saved. Thrilled. But I want that reluctance out of my family. I want that unwillingness that I'm okay. I can do it by myself. I've done more good than I have bad. This submitting to one another. It means it's in the fear of Jesus Christ. What does that mean? That if we don't submit, Jesus is mad at us? doesn't mean that. The Bible says that in Proverbs um, 9, it says this. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. That reverence of God, that which would ruin everything that would cause us to want to run from him. That honor of who he is. This fear of Jesus Christ, this filling of the Holy Spirit that brings us into a place where as heaven stands, we can bow our knee. That when we want to fight for ourselves, we fight for somebody else. Or we learn that there's nothing to worry about. And that worry is not currency. Where we find that there's a motivation, that the same motivation that God had, where people experience the love of God. They're not connected to us like we become the glue to them. But man, this testimony starts getting at them as they sleep. I didn't know anything about Christ until I was 20. The only memory I had was maybe as a, a pre-kid, before I could read, 
And I looked through this Bible my sister had, and I would sit look at this picture of Jesus on the cross. And man, I would look through it. Sometimes there was lots of pictures in it, but I would always go to that picture. And I had no idea what that meant. It was compelling to watch. There's something about being brought, folks, today to a place where we can see the bowing of Jesus' knee to the will of the Father and our own bowing our knee to the Father, but empowered, empowered to get something done, be of one purpose. Many parts about one person, many players about one song. We're not talking about conformity, we're talking about transformation being transformed from this image into his own. And every day becomes this adventure. Every day becomes this opportunity. Listen, I'm not leaving my wife or kids with a fantastic inheritance of diamonds and jewels and, and uh, CDs and that kind of thing. I'm not. I'm not. The only thing I want to leave them is a treasure worth knowing. Move anything else. Doesn't matter. Flush or poor. Doesn't matter. What matters is, man, listen, can you and I, can we obey him? Can you and I work through problems? Can we get on the other side of a disagreement? Can we show the world that it's upside down? And this is right side up. It says, when the helper comes, this is John 15, whom I will send to you from my Father, that is the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will testify about me. The fear of Jesus Christ is the Holy Spirit bringing clarification about the purpose, motive, and works of Jesus Christ. That's what it'll do. And the end of that testifying is the mystery moves out and the purpose moves in. I've asked every week, I said, you know, the Bible's very clear. The Bible says, ask for the filling of the Holy Spirit. You've got to ask. Second week, I said, you have to, we have to ask in faith. We have to know what God's brought our way so that our faith has a foundation. Our faith has a place for it to be in effect. And today, man, I'm asking you, man, would you Ask him to fill you with the Spirit that you might be able to submit to God, to one another, and to his purpose. And transfer, trade our half love for the whole thing. Father, we bless you and we thank you for who you are. We know that, God, you're moving on our hearts 
we know, Father, you're changing everything. So whether we're a visitor or we're first time, or man, this is our umpteenth time. Doesn't really matter. Father, I ask that it be fresh. That even before we take um, our, our offering today, we, we hold it a minute. And Father, the word says, if we have anything against anybody, or if that person has anything against me, you know what? Before I make that offering, I need to go and get that right. So I'm praying, Father, today that you would put an end in us that are here today of, Father, the justification of disputes and conflicts. They're not okay. To have them is okay. And to overcome them is beautiful. But to have them and keep them, Father, to find irreconcilable differences is wrong. And so, Father, we just thank you you would make these things clear to us. And Father, if we hold things against ourselves today, but we don't forgive ourselves, we'll forgive other people, but no, 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 I can't forgive myself. And Father, it's time for us to receive and to know you forgive us. Because Father, just a, a rect a reconciliation and unity and like-mindedness starts with forgiveness. And for those of us in here, Father, that, man, we just don't know Jesus for ourselves. We go to church, we, we, we've attended, maybe we always have. Or maybe we never have. Well, it doesn't matter. What matters, Father, it says that in your word, we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All men have sinned. It says, Father, that there is this testimony that we can't save ourselves. That we could change the corner. We could say, no, I'm not going to do that anymore. I'll be a better man or woman. And yet we fall right back into it. We can't. We can't save ourselves. He says that God is loving. Listen. Man, he loves you enough for you to be able to hear in your own heart. You know what? The word of God is true. But he's also jealous, folks. He can't just say, whatever I've done, however I've done it, now that God loves me, I, I, all that stuff's okay. No, it's not okay. And that's why Je Jesus came into the world. That's why God sent his son. He paid a debt you couldn't pay for. And he prepared a place for you with him forever. If you've never made that decision for Christ, you can't do it by wanting to. You need to exercise faith. Faith is trading where you're at and a reliance on self and things to a reliance on Him alone for this life and the life to come. And if you've never made that choice today, you've never said okay to the Lord, you've never said, oh Lord, I believe. It doesn't matter how you feel. It matters about the truth. A place to know forgiveness for sure. If you haven't made this start here, this is this place right now. So if that's you, you want to make that decision for Christ today, man, pop your hand up. Just say, man, that's me. I'm willing. I'm willing to trade where I'm at for where you're at. I'll keep my hand up for a minute just in case. <laughs> I don't want to be left out. Amen. Father, we bless you and we thank you. And Father, as we take this offering this morning,
so. Gladly. Thank you, Father, that we're able to come and fellowship with you, Lord, in your giving and generous Father. I just pray right now, Father, that you would uh, let us know that, Father, not only do you say, given and shall be given unto you, but you also say, man, press down, shaking together, running over. So we give thanks to you.